what if you only had 12 hours? What if you only had 12 hours? And now nobody knows when the Lord is returning. Nobody knows when they're going to die. Uh, we, have, we, we don't have that information. We may think we kind of know a little bit about it, but not when the Lord is returning, but when we may pass away. But um, the emphasis tonight is to think about that question. And when you think about that question, it uh, immediately brings about an urgency. You know, I have 12 hours to live. What am I going to do with them? Uh, I have 12 hours remaining. Who am I going to talk to? Uh, what am I going to do with those 12 hours? And when we come to the book of the Revelation, we recognize that this is the end of God's word, the end of God's written word. When I think as well of this idea of being a gospel witness, by way of introduction, not in the notes there, but maybe you just want to think about this for a moment. Motive matters. Motive matters. What is our motive? When we think about witnessing, our motive is very important. The first motive ought to be, number one motive ought to be, a love for Jesus Christ. When we talk talk about being a witness, that's the motivation. We've said it here before, it's it's not first lost people. The first motivation is a love for the Lord. And we know that God loves the lost. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the motive for telling someone about Christ, the motive for giving a gospel tract to someone, the motive for um, witnessing to a family member, giving our testimony, it's a love for Jesus Christ. Secondly, our second motive must be eternity. We believe there's a heaven, amen? We believe there's a heaven. Bible makes it very clear. So if we believe there's a heaven, then we also know that the Bible also speaks about the opposite of heaven, which would be hell. That as well is eternal. So motivating factor for being a witness for Christ is the love for the Lord Jesus Christ and then also eternity. When that last breath is taken, it's over. Eternity begins for that individual. These must, these must be our motivators. You know, many times we can become apathetic, can't we? If we think of eternity, it's going to overcome our apathy. When we think of the love Jesus had for us, It's going to overcome our apathy. Now, praise the Lord that God came to us. God came to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But even even in John, it says, he came into his own. Now his own received him not. But God came to us. How about John 1.14? John 1.14 the Word, Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word came to us. Jesus Christ provided salvation for you and for me. He came where we are. I'm thankful that He is even near tonight. He says, at the right hand of the Father, 
but the Holy Spirit of God is in you and in me tonight. Aren't you glad he didn't wait for us to come to him? He came to us. The father said, go. He went. By the way, God is, Jesus Christ is always seeking. He is active. He, Hudson Taylor said that God is always advancing. I believe that's true. I'm not to wait on the lost to come to me. I'm not to wait on the lost to come to me. God did not tell us to wait. God told us to go. You know, praise the Lord when people come to the church and hear the gospel and get saved. But honestly, I really believe that the church's objective is to disciple believers in the things of God and train them in the things of the God of the Word of God and send them out into the fields that are white already to harvest. Yes, we preach the gospel so people can get saved, but the purpose is to reproduce ourselves and teach others also. So many times, while yes, we preach the gospel here, and we will, God willing, until he comes, but you know the, the lost aren't necessarily flooding in. And we want to pray that they do. So God has commissioned us to go. Uh, how about John 20, 21? As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Isaiah 6, 9. Here, uh, uh, the, uh, the Bible says, here am I, send me. And then in, uh, that's verse 8. In verse 9, God said, go and tell this people. A little teeny word, isn't it? Go. It's used 1,500, over 1,500 times in the Bible. The word go. By the way, go in the sense of the gospel, it's not optional. It's not optional. It's a imperative. It's a must. It's, it's, it's not an invitation. It's a command. God help us in this. So when you think about God being uh, advancing, uh, advance, I've written down, advance equals I must go. I must go. So let's look at Revelation 21, excuse me, 22. Are you there? Revelation 22. I think I'll, well, you know, hold your place there, and I'm just going to give you a little bit more before we actually read the text. A lot of introduction for lesson one. I don't know how much room you have on that, but there's some other verses in the... Uh, yeah, I do. I have the... You have, maybe you can use the back of the page. A lot of these verses you will know, but I think I want to take a moment to read several of them. Matthew 10, 7. I have them here. I'll just read them. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, 7. Mark 5, 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. You know, that is, that's one of the easiest ways we can all go as we go with our testimony. Luke 14, 23. And the Lord said unto him, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. 
that your fruit should remain. Again, motive matters. What is our motive? Number one, a love for Jesus Christ is our motive. Number two, eternity is our motive. Those are our motivators. Really, that's, that's, that's what we think about, we want to think about every time we have an opportunity. What is my motive? My motive is the love of Christ. My motive is eternity. And we have something that will change someone's eternity. Okay, now, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. What if we only had 12 hours? I think the word of the night when it comes to that question, as I said earlier, is the word urgency. Urgency. Verse 6. He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. All right, let's look at verse 7. Behold... I come, and then what's the next word? Quickly. Quickly. Skip down to verse uh, 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And then chapter 22 and verse 20 says, uh, the, the next to the last verse of the Bible says, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Maybe if you underline in your Bible, you would underline that word quickly three times. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Verse, and then in verse 6, you see the word shortly. We read earlier. A shortly be done. Every day that we live our life, we could say this, this day I am living on the edge of eternity. I am living on the edge of eternity. While I have no idea if it's going to be today, tomorrow, or the next day, what if it were today? What if I died today? What if you died today? Are you ready to go into eternity? That would be a question we would all want to make sure of. I'm, I'm assuming most of you that are old enough to understand the gospel that are with us tonight are saved, but maybe there's someone online, or maybe there's someone here. We're all on the edge of eternity. We're one breath away from eternity. And so what we're talking about really in this lesson number one is to prepare for the second coming of Christ. We're going all the way to the end of the Bible and saying, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Surely I'm coming. So we've got to prepare for the second coming of Christ. We want to prepare as believers, but we want to prepare, for, prepare others as well for the second coming of Christ. So we have three aims, three aims in this first lesson. First aim is to understand the imminent return of Jesus Christ. What does that word imminent mean? It means it could happen any moment. It's imminent. Secondly, our aim is to identify the opportunities that will end when Christ comes. Opportunities that will end when Christ comes. I mean, praise the Lord, Jesus is coming again. You know, that, that song, One Day, the uh, only thing left on that song is verse 5. Verses 1 to 4, they've already happened. 
Verse 5, we're waiting for, still waiting for that to happen. And praise the Lord, uh, we do believe that it, it's, it's coming. But when that day happens, some, some things will end. Look at that. And then thirdly, the uh, aim is to emphasize the urgency with which the gospel must be given. So what would matter most if somehow, if somehow you could figure out, this is my last 12 hours, what would matter most in those 12 hours? And whatever that is, that should be the way we live every day. Because every day may be our last. Every moment may be our last. So notice what it says here in verse 6. It says, Jesus said, I must, it must shortly be done. Now, I'll tell you, that means it's not a definite time. Shortly to God and shortly to you or shortly to me means a completely different thing. You ever remember riding down the road, maybe, uh, when you were on your way somewhere when you were a child, or maybe your kids do this, and, uh, and, and you were to say, when are we going to be there? And, and you would say to them, or, or somebody would say to you, well, we'll be there in a little bit. Well, what's a little bit? I don't know what little bit is. You know? We'll be there shortly. No, 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 you know, we, we like specifics. If you're, unless, if, if you're, if you're, if you're like a, a time person, you know, we're going to be there in seven minutes and 23 seconds. Now that, that's what I like. There we go. Boom, right there. Shortly. What is that? Well, it's not a definite time, but it's a promise. It's a definite promise. Again, God's way of time and my way of time and your way of time do not, uh, do not match. But it, is a, but it is a promise that we know is true. Now, notice, if you will, uh, to another word that is listed in those three verses. The first word of verse 7 is the word behold. Again, it's a word we've been emphasizing in recent days. We see it again in verse 12. We see it again in verse, um, in verse 12, two times. The word behold. And then we see the word surely. The word behold is a word of attention. The word surely is a word of assurance. Now, what is it that's going to end, or what is it in these end times, if you will? What are some things that are going to be no more? Look at verse number 1 of chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were what? Passed away, and there was no more sea. So there's no more sea. The sea being a picture of our restless and ever-changing world. Then verse 4 tells us, in verse 20, chapter 21, there's no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, no more pain. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 22 tells us there's no more temple. God will be enough and we will be with Him. Verse 23, there's no need of the sun or the moon because the Lord Jesus is the light. For all of you, that, all of us that don't like night, although I don't mind it anymore at my age, I like it, time to go to bed, but... There's no more night. You just stay up all the time, right? Perfect body. Verse 25 of chapter 21. Verse 27, there's no more sin or evil. Verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 3, there's no more curse. There's no more curse. So praise the Lord for a lot of things that we rejoice in. We say there's no more of this, no more pain in heaven, no more suffering in heaven. And as we go to heaven at the rapture or by way of our physical death, 
But there's also several things, and we're going to look at them now, that are also no more. Number one, you have it there in your notes. Number one. When Christ comes, there will be no more time for unbelievers to be saved. Now, we say, are there going to be people saved in the tribulation? Yes, I believe there's going to be people saved in the tribulation. Okay? That's not what we're saying by this. Let, let's just go through this, okay? Now, keep in mind this theme of uh, keep in mind this theme of only having 12 hours. We remember a man in Luke 12. And he had a lot of possessions. He had big old barns. And he said, man, I need bigger barns. And he said, I'm going to tear all these barns down and build bigger ones. And uh, the Lord Jesus said, he said two words. He said, well, he said more than two words, but he said, this night. So this man only had 12 hours. He said, you're a fool. Because you're going to waste, you think you have all the way until whenever. But this night, thy soul shall be required. Eventually, that day is going to come to us. This night will come to us. And so when Christ comes, there's no more time for unbelievers to be saved. Let's look at verses 10 and 11 of our chapter. And that would be Revelation 22. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, notice, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. When Christ comes, sinners will be lost forever. Hearts will not change at the last moment. So, why hasn't Christ come yet? Now, we talked about this on Sunday, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, but Christ hasn't come yet, number one, because he's long-suffering. He wants people to be saved. Second uh, uh, Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have a merciful God. He wants people to come to Him. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to go to heaven. But soon this time will end. Please turn with me in your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So what happens to someone who has rejected Christ? Now, will there be people saved in the tribulation? This is not a message on the tribulation per se, but we know there's going to be people saved in the tribulation because there's going to be 144,000 evangelists preaching in the tribulation. Just so you know, that's not the JWs, okay? They're a little confused on that one, okay? They're not the 144,000. That's not necessarily what they believe about it anyway, but these are 12,000 of each tribe of the nation of Israel, okay? They're going to be preaching, and the Bible speaks of even martyrs coming to heaven while we're already there with the Lord and martyrs being coming to heaven, going into heaven during this time because they were martyred for their faith. But what happens to those who have rejected Christ? 2 Thessalonians 2, are you there? Look at verse 8, please. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, 
and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Here it is. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. That they should not, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Some may, some may get the idea, I think it's a very dangerous idea that, oh, you know, well, you know what, I'll, I'll, settle, I'll, I'll settle that with God. You know, if you're right and there's going to be a rapture, if you're right and, you know, I'll, I'll just settle that with God when I'm ready to. But according to this passage of Scripture right here, that option, may not, that option won't be provided then if they've rejected God. They'll believe a lie. They'll want to be saved. They say, I'll get saved then. No, those that have rejected the truth will believe a lie. And the Lord Jesus told us earlier of that wealthy man who thought he had many years to live, and God said, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, Luke twelve twenty. We have many people like that today. They're, they're, they're laying up treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And eternity is going to be a rude awakening because nothing can go with them. So when we think about eternity, when Christ comes, there will be no more time for unbelievers to be saved. Number two. Again, what if, what if we only have 12 hours? When Christ comes there will be no more time for believers to serve him. Serve him. Look at verse 12 of our text. Behold, again, that's a attention-getting word. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. This verse of Scripture is for those who are saved. If you're saved tonight, praise the Lord for our salvation. By the way, salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. Let's not forget that. We don't deserve to be saved. It's not a reward for, you know, if you get all your chores done, I'm going to give you salvation. No, that's not how God works. For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Can't earn it, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Titus 3, 5. But according to his mercy, he saved us. So why do we serve the Lord? Not to be saved. We serve the Lord out of a heart of love and gratitude for what he has provided us. Remember, motivation number one, motivation number one, a love for God. I honestly believe tonight that if I loved God in a more fervent way, my going would be more fervent. If I loved God in a more fervent way, my witness would be more fervent. If I loved, if I thought about eternity more, you know, that person that you see and that I see uh, in a drive-through window or at the, at, at the store or wherever, it just, just try to think, you know, God loves me, I'm saved. I know this happens really fast, but we can think through this really fast and try to be more disciplined. I'm raising my hand. And then also, this person 
is, uh, has a soul that's going to live or die somewhere for all eternity. See, if I'm motivated by eternity, then I'm going to do what I can in that moment of time. And it may not be that I have five seconds, but I can, at the very least, I can have that gospel track ready. I need to do a better job of it. And if I'm thinking about eternity, I will. I'll be more disciplined. If I'm thinking about the love of Christ for me, I mean, my eternity is set. As soon as I'm done and God says you're done, I'm going to be in His presence forever. What a blessing. And you have that testimony. The majority of us, I'm sure, here tonight have that testimony. But that isn't just so we can take however many years we're alive and be thankful for our salvation and just leave it at that. I mean, we are going to be thankful for our salvation. But it's a motivator. While we have eternity with the Lord, others, so many others don't. Now, there's coming a day when the Lord returns, there's going to be a group of Christians that are going to be alive. Think about that. Maybe we're going to be that group. Maybe you're going to be in that group. I don't know. But eventually, when the Lord returns, when God says, okay, son, it's time. And the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to be a group of Christians that are going to be alive when the Lord returns. So in other words, whatever we're going to do for Christ, let's do it now. Urgency. Urgency. Isaiah 38, verse 1, the Lord speaks to the king Hezekiah. He says, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now you talk about, you talk about in your face, get things in order, you know, get the will out. I'm just, you know, that's reading between the lines. Get your house in order because you're going to die. Folks, every one of us here, short of, the, short of the Lord's returning, we need to heed that counsel as well. We're either going to die or we'll meet Him when He returns. Eventually, we're going to stand before God. And that's not something that necessarily we're scared of because we're going to stand before God righteous. But... We know from our Bible that there's going to be, all of us, in some way, we're going to stand before God, and there's going to be some disappointment. Like the songwriter said, I wish I have given him more. More, so much more. There's going to be tears that are wiped away, right? The Bible speaks of that. And so uh, what we want to do is be urgent about it. Be urgent about it. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, please. What if you only had 12 hours? Who would you call? Who would you text message? Yeah, forget text message. You better call them. You know. Don't email them. Call them. If there's any way you can call them, who are you going to call? 12 hours. What are you going to do? You don't have that, but it's a good way of thinking about it. Urgency. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Wherefore we labor, 
that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Whether present, saved, I mean, not saved, alive, or absent, I believe that's the same as absent from the body. We may be accepted of Him. And here's the, here's the judgment seat of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So we labor. We labor that we may be accepted of him. We labor for his honor and glory. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Knowing, therefore, the judgment of the Lord. Knowing, therefore, that there is an eternity awaiting everyone. We persuade men. So when Christ comes, there'll be no opportunities to serve him. There'll be no opportunities for the lost to be saved. And then number three, when Christ comes, there will be no more time to share the gospel with those who are lost. Let's go back to our text, Revelation 22. All right, when I pause, you say the next word, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, and let him that heareth say, and let him that is athirst, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. What is the Holy Spirit's final message to the world? Come. What is Jesus saying to the lost today? Come. You know, even Jesus says to, to believers today, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. So he doesn't stop saying come. In other words, he wants us. As a child, he wants us. As, as a father, he wants us. So what is the Holy Spirit's final message? Come. Now, notice it doesn't just say the Spirit. Who else says come? The bride Who's the bride? We are the bride, right? Yes, the church. So the Spirit says, hey, come. And the church needs to be saying to the lost world, come. Come. Not to, to, to us, but to Him. It's our privilege. Yes, it's our duty, but it's our privilege. So what is the church's message today? Come. In other words, we're not simply saying, hey, come to my church. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, come to our church. Not saying that. But a church isn't going to get anybody ready for heaven. A church in itself isn't going to save anybody. We're inviting people to a person. We're inviting people to the Savior. We're inviting people to the King of Kings. We're inviting people to the to the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We're inviting people to a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We're inviting people to the shepherd, big shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. That's who we need to tell people to come to. 
Again, thankfully, we can invite him to church. And that's, we're not saying don't invite people to church, but the emphasis isn't church. The emphasis is Jesus. And that's got to be our urgency. That's why I like, I like Brother Frank's illustration. Believe me, Brother Frank is local church. He believes in the local church. He believes it's biblical. We believe it's biblical. But you know what? Here's an opportunity to have people to come to Jesus. You see, when we come to Jesus, Jesus takes care of us and deals with us on the inside out. And he cleans us up. So I'm not saying, again, we don't want to invite people to church. We do, but we want to invite them to Jesus. Notice the next part of the verse. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And then notice what it says. And let him that heareth. Have you ever heard about Jesus? How many times have you heard somebody tell you? How many times have I heard somebody tell me, I need to tell people to come? Time and time and time and time again. How many times have I heard the gospel? Time and time and time and time again. And so let him that heareth. Go out and tell people, hey, come. Come to Jesus. Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Come to Jesus. That's who is to be telling, to be going. Now, who does this message go to? Who does this message go to? Look at verse 17. And let him who is athirst not say come, but let him who is athirst come. So the message is for everyone that's thirsty. And what what do all the thirsty people get to do? They get to take of the water of life freely. And I am thirsty, so I'm going to take a quick drink. But I'm already saved. That was a great... Cue into the lemon water here. Thank you, Lord, for that. In this pulpit, I have nowhere to put my water because the entrance is only that big, so we're going to have to maybe get Lord's Supper cups lined up in here with just water in them for a preaching time. No, we won't do that. That's who the message is for. You know, some people, I don't think they know they're thirsty. But we have to go to them, and we have to let them know, you're thirsty. And that's not our job. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring conviction. But we take that message. So the message is extended to all who thirst. In other words, whosoever will may come. This is the last words to the church and the last message. Come to Christ. 1 Timothy 2.4 says of our God, our loving Heavenly Father, and He is, he is loving. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, who will have all men to be saved? Here it is. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2022, right there in your Bible. It's not our theme verse. That's what we're emphasizing. We're putting an urgency on delivering the truth. That's what God wants. He wants all men. It says it there, doesn't it? 
He wants all men to come to the knowledge of truth. He doesn't. He hasn't set it up so some can go to will go to hell and some will go to heaven. It's not God. That's not all men. Now some will go to some will reject. God knows who that is. We don't. Can you witness to the wrong person? I don't think you can. God knows who they are. God knows what they're going to say. That's that's the mind-blowing thing of God because God is all knowledge. But I'm not. That's why he tells me, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's go back to Revelation 22 as we conclude the first thought. Again, what if we only had 12 hours? What if we only had... You know, think about it. Well, we'll come to that at the end. Look at verse 14 of our text. Two groups of people. You know this already, but let's see how John writes it. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So that's group number one. They're in the city. They're saved. Group number two, verse 15. For without, they're not in the city. Dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I want to ask us tonight, who do we desire to take to heaven with us? What if we only had 12 hours to get them the gospel? Many people think about their future, but few think about eternity. doesn't matter if you're within or without. Eternity is everyone's future. Look at the bottom of your notes there. There's a challenge for this week. Here's the application. In other words, let's not just take this note paper and fold it in half and forget where it's at month. Number one, and we want, we're going to do this. We're going to do this right here in just a moment. We're going to go through the prayer page, but we're going to do this. Pray now and ask the Holy Spirit to make eternity real to you. This is the application. I want to I challenge us, not just in this meeting, but I want to challenge us for the next seven days to pray this prayer. God, make eternity real to me. In other words, when we see somebody, we don't just see them for today. We see them in eternity. Number two, make a list of things that we should care for and people we should speak to if we only had 12 hours. It might be that there's somebody you need to apologize to. Take care of it. I mean, the emphasis of the lesson is getting the gospel out. I understand that. Number three, take at least one step God is speaking to you about today. Maybe, maybe you still have time today to do it, or maybe it's tomorrow. In other words, what, what we've learned tonight, ask God, help me to apply it right now. Don't wait. And then here's another prayer request. 
begin each day this week asking the Holy Spirit to help us begin right where we are. What does this mean? Well, it, does, it, means, it means we don't have to go to uh, Muhindi, Uganda to be a missionary. It means when we walk out of here tonight, when we walk out of our house tomorrow, if you go anywhere tomorrow, or whatever, we, we start right there. That's where we start. And the first person we come to that we have an opportunity to do something, we, use, we take advantage of the opportunity. It doesn't mean we can necessarily pull out our Bible and say, you know, do you have about a half an hour? I'd like to give you the gospel. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can't. But you have to start where you're at. I have to start where I'm at. And so begin each day asking the Holy Spirit. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to make eternity real to us. And the second prayer request is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to begin right where we are to go whatever way we can.